Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamer irradiated, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Yo, Frank. Hi, Frank and Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, nothing. We just got right into the show this time. So we're, we've got a couple of uh, new releases. Are all our books new releases this time? Ken, I'm looking at you. Mister, uh, I found this book in the library book sale. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that that's normally me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I believe that everything I've got is all new this oh week. Oh my goodness, yeah. all new books. <laughs> I, I think everything we've read is definitely within the last two or three weeks. Good. New to us, and that means it's probably new to you as well. We're going to go right into it. Uh, Pete, what would you like us to explore first? You did our polls this week, and you have some interesting ones. Oh boy. Uh, you know what? Maybe we should uh, we should jump in with the uh, the big headline book from the uh, the this week. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, Grant Morrison returns to DC Comics where he's been for a little while, I guess. But so he returns he, to the company he, he was in. But he's uh, he's now relaunching Green Lantern as the Green Lantern, mm. uh, and this is a much anticipated new book. Uh, we've been told that this is going to be an all new direction for the Green Lantern. We're not; it's not a reboot. Mm-hmm. Everything still counts from what you read before, but we're taking the book in a new direction. Less focus on the big epic universe shattering stories and more of a focus on short stories that every that a new reader can pick up any given issue and get a full story. Uh-huh. Uh, it's supposed to feel like a, uh, a, a police procedural in space. Less cosmic, more police. I yes. am very excited about this. Full disclosure. Yes. I uh, accidentally pulled the wrong issue. I pulled out Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound Special, which we may or may not get to later on in this episode. That also p- puts Green Lantern in a whole new direction. Not, that, surprisingly, yeah, that not remains that new. St- still a uh, a new book, and I read that one too. I think we should definitely discuss that. All right, good. So, uh, but yes, this book I was very much anticipating and didn't get a chance to read it yet. But I uh, am excited to hear what you two think about it. Did Grant Morrison do good by us? Do we have a story that we, uh, Green Lantern fans, can be proud of? Uh, I will. Uh-huh. I will step in and say that there is a lot to like about this book. Ugh. There are a lot of uh, of very good elements in here. Okay, I don't like the way this is going. Uh, but it it feels very scattershot and like it didn't come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- w- the way it was sold as, you know, a space police procedural, uh, I think was almost immediately kind of undercut. I, I expected not a deadly serious tone, but a, a somewhat serious tone to be in there. Uh, and when we're introduced to the first team of lanterns that we encounter... Uh, Ken, I think you've got the the book open to that page right now. Yeah, it's a. But what's the page. the name of the uh, the partner? There, there's uh, a Green Lantern that we come in in media res fighting space pirates, uh, and he's got a part partner who is a microbe. Yes, well, the the uh, the initial lantern that you're talking about is Maxim Tox. Yes, he's uh, not the one I'm concerned about. He's a he's a relatively normal lantern. Uh, in, Who, in space in sector twenty eighteen, <laughs> yeah, 
but his his partner he he's got his partner is a uh, a a living microbe named Fluzel Flem. Fluzel Flem. He's essentially a living disease. Okay. Uh, at, at the or virus. Are we? Or, is this, you're right. Is this an Osmosis Jones deal where like it's just a sentient, very little thing, or is like the disease as it spreads through a host? No, no. It, it, he the the this Green Lantern enters a perp's body and self-replicates as a disease. Ah, good, good. Causing them to sneeze. Uh, thank I, you. I, I'm sorry. Can the name of the guy again? Fluzel Flem. How are you having problems with this? And the 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 line that they have is Fluzel Flem doesn't, doesn't catch, catch you. You, you catch Fluzel Flem. Wow. <laughs> First of all, most importantly, thank you all for letting me get away with an Osmosis Jones reference. Second of all, that's only because I never saw it. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you're aware of the cultural touchstone that is Osmosis Jones. Oh, Frank, are we all? Yes, Frank. Yes. If DC let Grant Morrison get away with an Osmosis Jones reference. Okay. Uh, far be it from me to stop you. Right. Because I think you're spot on. This is an Osmosis Jones reference. <laughs> wow. So this is um interesting. But That's it, cool. It's a lot more that 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 whole sequence was a lot more lighthearted than I was expecting. Mm. Uh and that tone kind of shifts in and out oh, yeah. throughout the book. Uh it goes from really kind of dark and depressing at times when we're examining Hal Jordan's life on Earth uh, when he's not being a Green Lantern. I I was actually a little confused after not reading Green Lantern for some time. Um, I was under the impression that Jordan was being punished or was no longer a Lantern. Well, they do kind point. of have that in this book. At this point, his 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 Lantern has been taken away. Uh, but he's called back by the Green Lanterns during the course of this book. But he still has his ring, and mm-hmm. he, he, but he just can't charge it. Is that so? He can't use it, use the power? I guess. Uh, and it doesn't make it clear yeah, I don't how long was... this has been going on, yeah. how long he's been exiled on Earth. And I don't think that's important to the story that Grant Morrison is telling. Mm. I think that's the point. Um, I think this has the potential to fit into the other Green Lantern stories that have been going on. It doesn't contradict anything, but it doesn't, you know, we're, we're not so concerned about that, so we're not going to deal with it right now. I think it's fair enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That aspect, I think, is the right way to do it. If you're going to do a drastic departure from the previous tone of a book, you know, at least respect and don't contradict what's come before. Right. But where where is the tone of this book? It seems like it's kind of all over the place. Ken, uh, what do you think about it? I'll be honest. I I really had a bit of a problem jumping in after not reading this stuff for a while. I kind of wanted a little bit more of what was going on with Hal Jordan because this essentially is a Hal Jordan story. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much so. And that's stated as the purpose. Part of my issue is Grant Morrison's writing. Um, I think it's, a, as Pete said earlier, I think it's a little all over the place. Um, and at times, just the uh, the first six pages or whatever with this battle between these two lanterns, I don't know what I'm actually in the middle of. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this thing is going on. Um, the The dialogue is very hard to follow because it's like broken English 
where some of the aliens are concerned. Yeah, some of the aliens, it looks like they're they're trying to do an accent. It's uh, almost like Grant Morrison is trying to write his own accent as a voice for a character in a book. Huh. Like Actually, a little it, bit of M- MIB alien, where they've got accents and they're... You know what I mean? Like from the movies. I'm a sorry. little, yeah, a little bit. It's mm. it's a lot like he's trying to write a Dutch accent, but <laughs> but uh, you know, tr- tr- trying to transcribe the way a Dutch accent sounds, but disguise that. Yeah. <laughs> so that it's like, well, no, I'm not just having them speak with a Dutch accent. It's alien. Mm. Yeah, and it's so the dialogue kind of took me out of it a little bit too, because I had to, if I have to go back and reread gibberish just to yeah. try to understand what's going on you're you're gonna start to lose me yeah right, right. it's it's i'm trying the way he wrote that dialogue it's like you're in your head you're trying to figure out how this actually sounds and he's forcing you to try and figure out how it sounds and and you're trying to read it phonetically and still try to make sense of it oh i see i get it i i, I that's a that's a tactic employed by a lot of comic artists and i don't know I think it, it, it. I could see how it could be taxing. It can work, but this is. It doesn't here. It gets in the way here. The art is really impressive. The art I, I actually wanted to, to touch on. I like Liam Sharp's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a fan of him for a long time. I think his his figures, the characters, look great. But it again going back with the first couple of pages with the action and later on. It was reminiscent of uh, some time back when we were doing the IDW books and the Transformers and how during a- certain action battles, it's hard to follow because there's so much visual stuff being thrown yeah. at you. What's in this. an alien and what's background? Well, it's yeah. not even It's that. very cluttered. It's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's a lot of background uh, imagery floating around with you and the dialogue doesn't help. To differentiate what you're also seeing as right. well. So it's like I found myself staring at a panel for two to three minutes, still trying to figure out what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And the visual storytelling where the action's concerned really kind of, again, took me out of it. The rest of the book is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, those and quiet it, moments yeah. seem like they're really nice. Yeah, there's some, there's some good quiet moments. There's some really good use of space on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the panels flow, particularly, I, I think the one that really impressed me was when uh, when Hal charges his lantern, and you get that iconic, almost uh, original Star Wars movie poster of him holding up the uh, right. the ring, yeah. Green Lantern's light. Beautiful, cool. but after halfway through the book, following it, by the time we got to it, it wasn't as it, it wasn't as impactful for me. I agree. It looks beautiful though. It really does. And I think this goes back to what I was saying before. Is like there's a lot to really like about this book, but it's it's just kind of thrown at you, and mm. it's difficult to say this is a really good book. But there is a lot of potential there, uh, and I think maybe as they have a chance to work together more and find the voice for this series a little bit better refine things i think it has the potential to be a really good book yeah there is a story being set up as you read it um which i i hope pans out you know into something really good i just wish we had gotten more of it in this first issue instead of the the filler it felt for me in the beginning right Mm -hmm. so uh ultimately would you recommend this book 
Uh, you can be ca- as cautious as you want to be. To be honest, I need advice because this looks, I'm looking over Ken's shoulder and the book looks really fantastic. And I like the kind of like, almost the heavy metal aspect of some of the space stuff. The really ridiculous. It reminded our me. 60s era. Was, yeah, yeah. I it reminded me of like 70s era, yeah. like space opera in Marvel, like the mm-hmm. Jim Starlin stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know. Although slightly less dense, but uh, in, in the way of text mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's a lot easier to read than jim starlin's stuff uh, right. debatable <laughs> I, I, I say the flow on the page maybe is a little bit more controlled yeah. but let's uh, so but what do you yeah. think um i have a very hard time giving this a near mint i mm-hmm. would love to uh but i I'm, I'm gonna give it a high good all right uh i i definitely think it's it's a good read um but go in there expecting but I it yeah and it's I, not done yet and i can't tell you that this is a series you definitely want to invest in yet. Obviously, yeah. All right, fair enough. How about you, Ken? Uh, I've been a you know big Hal Jordan Green Lantern fan for a long time. Yeah, I've taken some time off of those, all those books, and I have some catching up to do. But for me, it was very difficult. I I don't know if just on this first issue if I could actually recommend this first issue to somebody. But maybe in a couple months, as it progresses, uh-huh. I'm hoping that I can come back and say yes, read this book. Uh huh. So do you, if you had to give it a rank, what would it be? Uh, high fare. Ooh, Ooh. Wow. Wow. All right. Harsh. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, now, we did mention something a little earlier. We talked about Green Lantern and Huckleberry Hound. There's a whole series of DC books that have been out for quite a while now. They've been hitting on these Hanna-Barbera properties for a while. This is, I think, the first issue of a new batch of these books. Uh, yeah. These kind of Hanna-Barbera brought up into the modern world in a way i don't even know how to describe it's weird i you know what it it, it wasn't until i've read a couple of these that it occurred to me that we've been seeing things like this i thought this was just a continuation but we've it's mostly been dc and warner brothers looney tunes characters sure yeah yeah when you have the the crossover things like this but i think this these are the first crossover ones that we've gotten with the hanna-barbera right characters Mm-hmm. They've been doing the standalone Hanna Barbera universe yeah. Ter- yeah. title thing. Trying to do this, the about, Flintstones, the Jetsons. Not really a shared universe at all that I know of. Although I haven't really followed up on any yeah. of the books long enough to see if they connect. I think even though the, some of them are interesting. I think for the first time they've introduced and I at least the concept of a shared universe of some sort with the secret wow. squirrel backups. Oh, in these, okay. yeah. one of the the secret squirrel ones sp- specifically references that the the story uh, crosses over with the Scooby Apocalypse book, right? That's right. been going on for a while. Yeah. So again, a little background. If you missed our earlier episode where we talked about this, which is more than a year ago now, mm. much more than a year ago. Uh, yeah, a lot of Hanna Barbera properties have been picked up by DC. They're they've been updated in some vague ways. Um, I, my best. Uh, a blanket thing would be there's a Scooby-Doo apocalypse, a more serious mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo. There's like a, a somewhat terse family drama that is the Flintstones. There's a weird sci-fi um, dystopia that would be the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. And I, I and feel the, like there was a Death Race 2000, but was there Wacky was. Races. <laughs> there's something like that. Isn't and the, the very hard-hitting... Uh, Red Scare Hollywood Blacklist examination of Snagglepuss, Exit Stage right, Left. of course. That was one of the ones we really liked. Was 
amazing. And right. we have to talk about the entire series at some point because I finally finished it. And oh, oh my yeah. God. Right. I'm, I'm interested. This is a, this is like, Pete had just said this, this said this is like a kind of a mixture of crossover from classic DC properties and some Hanna Barbera ones. Um, I, I, I think, feel like the four that we got this time take a lot of cues from the Snagglepuss books. Uh, oh yeah, all right. So let me uh, let's quickly go through the titles that we've got. We've got a Green Lantern, Huckleberry Hound. We talked about that briefly. <laughs> I know that there's a, a Nightwing, Magilla Gorilla that we were gonna maybe hit on. And I believe the only other one I know of is the Deathstroke Yogi Bear special. And I believe you have forgotten, I know you have forgotten, Superman yeah, Top, Top Cat. Cat. I did not even see that. <laughs> Superman Top Cat. Wowza. Uh, all right. So ridiculous. I like, uh, briefly, I will, because I think I'm the only one that read Superman Top Cat. Mm -hmm. But it's very, it's kind of interesting in that. They have essentially just decided to write a Howard the Duck story and substitute Top Cat for Howard the Duck. I feel like a lot of these are that. Hmm. I think like a lot of these have an element of here is a ridiculous character that we've made a little bit more mature than you remember. And hmm. it's a talking animal, but everybody's going to just acknowledge it and move on. Well, unlike most of them, Top Cat is explicitly has come to the DC universe from an alternate dimension oh, filled right. with uh, talking animal cartoon people. And everybody else is just sort of like, there's no, there's no explanation. No, it's just, just oh, well, they, they live this way. All right. So uh, I think we should, um, which one do you, do you guys want to do? A, well, a, a, let's stick with Green Lantern. All right, let's do the and Green do Lantern. Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound. Way too serious for me. It was interesting, <laughs> but I could not like the the subject matter. This is the John Stewart Green Lantern. Uh, it, it it delves into I can't believe I'm saying this Vietnam the Vietnam War mm -hmm. race relations uh, the 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 old South in the form of Huckleberry, Huckleberry Hound. Yes. I was just going to ask you that. Uh, and <laughs> I did. I read this very late. I read this after I read Deathstroke Yogi Bear. Mm -hmm. And Deathstroke Yogi Bear was kind of ridiculous, but like there was just, we'll get to that in a little bit. This hit me like hard. I did not expect it. I'm not sure if I'm happy with it. I feel like it's a little too serious for such a ridiculous take of it. What did you it's, think, Pete? Um, it's difficult to say. After reading the entire Snagglepuss run, I'm kind of a... a acclimated you, you were prepped for it yeah. to accepting these very heavy topics being discussed with beloved childhood characters taken to a ridiculously extreme mm -hmm. uh, level of realism right like this is the uh, it's almost comic levels of realism except for the heaviness of the material right i mean the race riots involved in this right in a Huckleberry Hound card, right. comic book. It's ridiculous. So, again, I, my background, my immediate background to this was the Deathstroke Yogi Bear special, <laughs> which we'll get into, which is not that. It is no. not as, it is, it's its own animal, which is an interesting choice of terms. <laughs> uh, but, like, when you're not expecting it, if you're not, yeah. if you're not aware of what you're picking up when you pick up Green Lantern, Huckleberry Hound, yeah. I can imagine as a reader you being offended. And you <laughs> know what? Close. I'm going to go a step further and say that this one even misleads you a bit because it, it, it starts off as not a funny story, but like a run of you run of the mill comic book story. 
Yeah. I mean, you don't even have Huckleberry Hound at the beginning. It's it's just Green Lantern, John Stewart, uh, training with another Green Lantern. Yeah. And you you don't have any idea that you're going to be introduced to talking animals, or cartoon characters come to life, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, racial tensions in the Vietnam War. Right. Yeah. It it sneaks up on you and. Because uh, you could transition from I can, space. Right. Drama to Vietnam War, we've been conditioned for that. We know that serious yeah. stories can be told with comic book I mean, superheroes, but this is very obviously, to me at least, an attempt to update the stories from the seventies Green Lantern and Green Arrow yes. series. It's it's an homage to that. Uh, particularly, there's I, I I recall parallels of the scenes of this being Huckleberry and John Stewart sitting at a bar together mm-hmm. talking. Uh, and the, the clear comparison of Huckleberry suggesting to John Stewart, well, if you've got the power to do something, shouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And that whole kind of dilemma. I, I think it's very interesting. The points that are brought up in this. And it's just, it's very difficult to, square off with the way they're presented. Right. <laughs> the fact that they're presented with Huckleberry Hound. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think I'm an awful, awful person uh, for just being really amused by the uh, Huckleberry's friends from the South oh, God. taking Jethro's truck. It's, it is a whirlwind of a book. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to give it a good... I'm going right to the rank. Yeah. I'm giving this a good, but you have to go in there knowing what you're getting. I Absolutely. don't want anyone blindsided by this book. I don't want anybody picking up this book thinking this is going to be goofy and then finding out in the middle of it that it's dealing with very serious topics. It is dealing with very serious topics. If you're the type of person who would read a comic book where cartoon characters deal with, like cartoony characters deal yeah. with serious topics, I think you'll enjoy this book. If you don't, I think maybe you'll enjoy Snagglepuss a little bit more. But if, you do, if, yeah. you're, if you're not really into it, then do yourself a favor and back off. Yeah. Uh, I, I, too, will give this a good. It's, yeah. it's very much a... A book where if you're in the right mood, it's like, yeah, I like this. This is this is pretty good. There is at no point in this book any kind of moment where you're just slapping the table going, yes. Yeah. Yes, this is exactly what I wanted out of a comic book. Speaking of doing that, slapping the table, saying yes, yes, that's what I want out of a comic book. I would say that DC's attempt to do this would be Deathstroke Yogi Bear special. <laughs> I think that is much more... Later on in this this podcast, we probably will describe it. We're going to talk about the other house, the other big company, and their mm. kind of wacky books that they've been putting out lately. And uh, in previous reviews, I've talked about some of these books, and they're so bizarre, specifically the Infinity Warps line. Some of them are just a delight. The question is, can... You do something like that on, at DC. Can you take Deathstroke and Yogi Bear, mix them together, and get something ridiculously fun on the other side? And I will posit, no, you cannot do that. Deathstroke Yogi Bear special was horrible. Not horrible. That's too hard. It was off. It was disappointing. Um, the art style of this it's well done it's just what am i supposed to be it looks like you you've got not photorealistic but you've got realistic looking animals 
with the accoutrement of their their Hanna Barbera selves. So a bear, uh, a, a illustrated bear with the hat and the bow tie or the the, the tie, uh, running away from Ranger Jones. I can't even remember where, Smith. Ranger Smith, and um, boo, you know, just running with all these other kind of cartoon animals in the woods. Everyone's treating them as if they were both animals and talking animals. Like no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are moments. The closest thing to to perfection, well, to amazing, would be uh, where the um, the bunch of cowboys are sitting around arguing over who's the faster draw between Quick Draw McGraw and Ricochet Rabbit. Yes, and they're talking about it as if they're just dealing with real world people in there. They're both talking about it as if they're dealing with their favorite cartoons. You know, they're arguing like mm-hmm. the way you would on a podcast. And also, they're talking about actual people they've encountered who have shot them. Actually, they they compare bullet yeah. wounds. That <laughs> was fun. That was uh, to give a page of recent reviews or Hasbro verse. That was uh, uh, um, GI Joe villains discussing whether dinosaurs are more like birds or lizards. Right? That yeah. was just fun. The the, the El Cabong reference was excellent. The El Cab- that the, the the what do you mean to tell me that El Cabong and Quick Draw McGraw are the same person? <laughs> the, like the crestfallen, he was just yeah. so shocked by it. A uh, delight, and unfortunately, we spoiled the best part of that book for you because the rest of it is just weird. It's just a bunch of hey, remember this? You remember yeah. this guy? This guy's also here. Look, we drew him serious. Uh, there's there are elements there there's the deathstroke talking about all his greatest enemies and some of them are dc and some of them are clearly hanna-barbera characters from king shark to jabberjaw (laughs) but they're fewer far between i almost want to spoil the rest of them but i'll give you some reason to buy the book (laughs) um yeah it didn't it it just felt like it felt like a remember this you know, like a remember this stand-up comic where he just references things. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I had such a hard time imagining Yogi Bear's voice coming out of a, a actual grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't sound fit. Right. It didn't look. It it didn't look right in there, and yet they wrote him exactly like Yogi Bear would talk. Yeah. Uh. I, I think it was a uh, a valiant effort of putting Yogi Bear and his friends into was it, a... Was it an effort at all? <laughs> I didn't feel like it was. I think it was just like, yeah, and the animals are bad. I, I can't imagine you doing that in a Deathstroke story any better. I'll give you that, sure. Yeah, I don't think you could do a better job than this. Yeah. The, and there was a couple little, you know what? I don't know if this is even worth not spoiling. If you don't want to, then yeah. put your fingers in your ears. Again, there's a couple of good gags in there. It's the King Shark and Jabberjaw, the Killer Croc and Wally Gator, the Gorilla <laughs> Grodd and, and Grape Ape. And I do, the, the twist of it being the, what was it, the Creepy, the Creepies? The Creeps? The Creepies, I think, yeah. I can't remember. They're, they're, I vaguely remember them from something. They were in. They were in something. I can't remember where they were in. Uh, uh, recurring villains. Weirdly was it Laugh Olympics and Creepella? Maybe they were. I don't know if they were in Laugh Olympics. But regardless, they were Hanna Barbera characters. The fact that they were the masterminds between this behind this villainous plot that yeah. doesn't really mean anything. The whole story is just sort of like there to make the yeah. gags. And the final gag of um, we're going to encourage people to uh, you know be experimented on through the Laugh Olympics. 
it's just the whole thing is just like I can't even remember. Which rumor has it is supposed issue. to be a, a, a setup for. But, a Laugh Olympics crossover. I guess so. Here's the thing. I can respect the Hanna-Barbera experiments when um, Snagglepuss is being used to describe the, uh, you know, the, the, the black, uh, the black yeah. booking. And, when and you've got a high concept story like that, yeah. you've got a, okay, you know, we've got this really interesting story to tell. Wouldn't it be cool if we told it using an old Hanna-Barbera character? Right, yeah. That's good. This definitely read like, uh, okay, staff writer, <laughs> who, yeah. who wrote this? I don't know, I don't know but... Uh, it's like, you're going to write a story about, uh, let's see, uh, Yogi Bear pick and Boo Boo. Deathstroke the Terminator. We, we mixed up the piles, oh no, <laughs> this is just a normal thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it did feel... Yeah, okay, just you know, do that and you know, use whatever characters you want to. Yeah, uh, it's... um, It's sure, I will turn out content that is capable of reading without gouging your eyes out. Yeah, it's it almost feels like right on the edge of being less good Adult Swim, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there are some high-concept Adult Swim stuff that's really fun, and then there's some stuff that was just like, oh, what if Rainbow Bright was behind the music? And it's like, oh, I guess, sure. Sure. But this is just literally... This is just kind of a sure... So I, I don't know. I feel like these places you can you could you could go crazy. You could go f- aim for the fences and do something amazingly poignant, or at least something incredibly goofy. Yeah. Uh, which leaves me with Nightwing McGilla Gorilla. Ken, you told me that you read this thing and would like to talk about it. I almost wept reading this. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> In a good way. Oh, good. Uh, after listening to what you guys were talking about your books, one of the things that I love about this is. It's that same concept of having these cartoon characters in a universe with humans and the DC characters, but this actually formulates as a kind of interesting murder mystery. Really? Yeah. Um, It opens up with Dick Grayson in California uh, visiting the, I guess, palatial mansion of Megilla Gorilla. The Gorilla Villa. Yeah. Wow. Um. And the reason being, McGilla wants to purchase the rights to Dick Grayson's life story and turn it into a biopic. Because the whole idea of his childhood, you know, being in the circus, his his family being a part of it, the the death of his family... He thinks that that would make a great Hollywood biopic. Sure, McGilla Gorilla was he a filmmaker? What was no? He was trying to get out of the pet store. That was his gimmick for the Hanna Barbera yeah. cartoons, yeah. right? Well, right. what so we established in this universe is McGilla Gorilla was an actor, and those were roles that he's done over the course of his career. He oh. started doing comedy. I got it. Cool. It kind of parallels, mm-hmm. I guess. You could, if you were going to equate it, the the career of Tom Hanks. Starting off doing funny stuff, okay. comedies, and then breaking out and doing dramatic roles and being nominated for Academy Awards later on. Okay, sounds good. McGill Gorilla makes a surprisingly convincing Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, <laughs> in a Rough Riders movie. <laughs> um, it was all set up by McGill's manager and Mr. Peebles. Mr. Peebles. Oh my lord! <laughs> and a lot of the book, I thought, was an interesting parallel because as we get to learn about Megilla and how Mr. Peebles actually was the one that raised him, became his manager, helped turn him into the person he was, Megilla looked to him as like a father figure. And during the course of the story, Dick Grayson actually goes back in in inner monologue comparing 
what his life was like and sees that there are you can see that there are similarities between them. Mr. Peebles as Batman. Got it. Until Mr. Peebles is murdered. Oh no. Oh no. And all of the evidence is pointing to that McGillah did it. Interesting. So now now that Dick Grayson's already here, he suits up as Nightwing and he starts going on the hunt to try to find out who killed Mr. Peebles. I don't want to give too much more no, away because no. it gets, it's a mystery. There's twists to it. And I thought it was a very solid book that by the end of it, I felt very satisfied with. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> one, th one thing I'd like to point out is I was impressed by the fact that they did not take it just as a straight parallel McGilla Gorilla's life to Robin's life or to Dick Grayson's life. It was actually a lot more complex than that. Right. And in many ways, the, the father son roles were reversed it, 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 over the course of the thing. At, at times it was, it was more like Dick Grayson was the father mm -hmm. or, and, or, and or there all, was, or there was the shift yes. of it, of yeah. Being the son to becoming like this the father type figure. This is incredible to me. It's, it's, it's amazing. It really is. And this is one that definitely does not work. If you try to imagine McGill Gorilla's original voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and thankfully they don't make any attempt to write him as yeah. though he talks like McGill yeah. Gorilla. Wow. There are other Hanna-Barbera characters that do pop into this. Um, and again, I, I can't... Like the, I, I think it's worth spoiling the one just because it's not much oh, of a we, spoiler. Well, it's like the, the mentor-mentee relationship between McGilla Gorilla and, and Grape, Grape Ape. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Which works out so, spectacularly. Yeah, it, it, it's essentially a study of fathers and sons in, to a degree on a bunch of different levels. And it, again, shockingly, shockingly, almost made me wet by the end. Oh, almost, almost had me weeping by the end. I, I can't. Yeah. All right. What do you I, rank this? I back this? him up on this one. How, what do you guys rank uh, this mint. book? Fuck, uh, mint. Wow. Mint. What? <laughs> I, I gotta. I gotta. How mint. is this possible? How did I pick up the wrong DC book? Wow. Because this one was Nightwing and Magilla Gorilla. <laughs> I don't blame anybody, anybody from walking straight past this in the comic book aisle. But my God, this is why this show exists. Yeah. For us to tell you, no, go back and pick that one up. My yeah, Lord in I, heaven. I, I, I can't stress it enough. Uh, this, you have this, to read it. Buy this book. It, it, it'll blow your mind, seriously. <laughs> All right. One last book in DC uh, Pantheon for this week. We got Heroes in Crisis, issue number two, two of nine. This is a miniseries that um, uh, DC is putting on right now about the sanctuary, a, I guess, a um, mental health facility for chiefly for heroes that have mm -hmm. gone through trauma in the line of work. Um, we, we covered the first issue a few weeks ago on the show, yeah, uh, it, and I think we all pretty much liked it. I think we, we enjoyed what we read so far and thought it was an interesting mystery, mm -hmm. a crisis kind of story that uh, DC has not really touched on uh, before. I'm trying to remember if we even ranked it because it was just too soon to tell. Maybe. Uh, but I think we, I did, I did enjoy it pretty much. Yeah. And the basic story is, of course, Sanctuary is this, um, this facility that heroes have to go to for, um, for post-traumatic stress disorder, effectively. 
and what we found in the first issue is that there was a massive killing in there. Many people died. Mm. Many heroes have died, and a couple of what you would call villains also died. Uh, and we were led to believe throughout that it was Harlequin who was the person uh, who was responsible. But at the end of the issue, we find that it may in fact be Booster Gold who did it. And Harley was actually out for revenge and um, got her revenge on Booster Gold at the end of that issue. Yeah. Uh, second issue picks up pretty much where we left off. Um, we're getting more and more snippets of these um, these uh, confessional video yeah. footage of heroes admitting to lots of things. Basically, their secret identities, the traumas they've experienced, things like that. And uh, we, uh, we've got Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman tracking down Harley, uh, who they think might be responsible for what yeah. happened, at least trying to figure out what was really going on. And if I'm reading correctly, I think we're getting hints that Sanctuary itself may be an artificial intelligence or a computer. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, I think it like is, the confessionals are being given to a computer, right? Essentially, I, I believe that's what I read as well. That's yeah. the way I interpreted it. Uh, so obviously, there's a deeper mystery going on here. We're not supposed to. I, I'm, I think it's fairly certain that Harley was not responsible. I don't know if we know that Booster Gold is not responsible, but he is clearly losing his uh, grip on reality. And he and Skeeter, oh, is that the name of the little yeah, guy? Yeah, I believe you're correct. Skeets. Skeets, that's it. Skeets. Uh, is, is, uh, Skeeter's gonna, Skeets is trying to sort of talk him down, get him to uh, surrender himself. And, and he's trying to do what Batman would do, is clear his name. Which is something Booster Gold is, has, we've clearly established he's terrible at. Yes. He, he cannot do what Batman would do. Exactly. Uh, I actually, there was a lot of highlights to this book. I There are a lot of things that I enjoyed. Um, I like the pacing of this mystery. I'm curious about what's going on. The stakes are so super high in this. Wally is one of the people who's dead. A lot of big name heroes mm. are dead. That I feel like, well, are we just counting down for the rewind? Because there's no way that's just going to happen. Yeah. Right? And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. But enjoying the story for what it's worth. Uh, I do like the stakes in it. I like the pacing of the story. I like the way the three, the big three, are working together. Um, Wonder yeah. Woman, Batman, and Superman, how they're solving this mystery. I like the way they it's are. Good. I like the tension between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's interpersonal tension. Uh, specifically, there's a moment where uh, Wonder Woman and uh, Superman both demand that Batman tell them the secrets of the sanctuary because we know you've spied on us. You, that's what you do. That's what you do, Bruce. You yeah. you plan ahead. You listen to all our secrets. You know what's really going on. You have a secret footage. I know the sanctuary yeah. is supposed to be private, but you don't do it. Can we just cut to the part where you, <laughs> yeah, where you admit that you have this? Yeah, it's amazing, and it's not just it's not for laughs. It's actually like you feel three friends who are in a ridiculously high stress situation with each other forever because yeah. they are these you know superheroes that are kind of sick of each other in a way. Uh, it's not that pessimistic no. either, but it's just that they, they've run the course. They know who each other are, or they think it's like, they do. Yeah, we, 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 we know the games we play. Can we please just, this is serious, can we please just cut through that? Mm. And, you know, it, it, it's a very difficult question of trust yeah. that's going on. I, there was a little bit of opportunity there when they're talking to Harley Quinn and the lasso of truth comes into play. Right. Which I wish they had played with a little bit more. I definitely agree. But I, I think it was still very good. So uh, I think uh, at this point, 
we I, I, we're probably coming out positive on this book. We may be recommending it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get a little spoilery just because I think it's worth dissecting the book as well. Uh, do you want to do our reviews first and then go into the spoilers, or do we want? to... Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I I I'm loving it so far. I'm gonna give it. A near mint. I think the story is good so far, really powerful mm-hmm. so far. In fact, I'm thinking this the whole thing might go mint for me as long as it, it it sticks to landing. I'm really I love the 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 focus it's done on the trauma that these heroes are doing because we get a little bit of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman's confessional what they have said to the camera, as mm-hmm. it were, in Sanctuary, and the things they've gone through. And even though we have maybe a page, I think a page for each hero, uh, those are just some of the best character examinations I've ever seen for these characters, yeah. which is incredible. So I'm, 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 I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. I, I actually read this a few days ago, uh, and when you, in pre-production, Frank, were raving about the book... Mm-hmm. I I think you saw I was a little hesitant in my opinion on that. Going back and taking a look at it, I realized that most of the problems that I had have to do with pacing and wanting more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. It I don't know if I like the choices about where in the story they've made to break issues. But all the individual pieces I like so far. Uh, And I I get the feeling that this is going to be one of those books or stories that's really going to be so much better when you sit down and read it all in one shot. So much so, in fact, I want to wait almost to get really in-depth until it's all out. But... um yeah, I yeah. I'd agree with that. I'm I'm saying it's definitely near mint, trending towards mint. Nice. All right, so we're recommending this. Why don't you read it along with us? Definitely. We'll get once it's all out. We'll go into a little bit more depth. Um, I, we won't go into any spoiler reviews right now. There are a couple of things enough. that happened that I wish had happened differently. Uh, part of it was the lasso of truth. I thought that was a very mm-hmm. interesting situation, but really all worth all worth reading. Yeah. I think at this point. So I think we'll agree. We'll we'll do that. All in one shot later on when it's done. Speaking of one shots, uh, not quite, but narrowing them out. Infinity Wars, Infinity Warps have been going pretty strong for Marvel for quite a while now. Yep. We we got a second issue for Iron Hammer and Soldier Supreme, two, I think, well-reviewed books in our... uh, On Your Mint. And we also got a second issue of Sleepwalker and the first for Arachnite. Um... I think we could power through these. Now, uh, Pete, yeah. are you the only one who read these with me? Ken, you didn't read any of these? No, I didn't. Okay, let's let's talk yeah. to, to Ken about what we read. Uh, I think number one is, for me, I, I definitely want to talk about uh, Sleepwalker. Ken, you need to read Sleepwalker. Okay. You, I know you're a fan Ken, of yeah. Sleepwalker, yeah. and you need to read Sleepwalker. Okay. So we'll stop the podcast so you can yeah. read this. All right, great. I'll be back in... This is, this is probably the best Sleepwalker stories we've ever had. Yeah, certainly since the original run, I I think the cohesiveness that we seem to be getting out of Sleepwalker and his universe in this uh, may may even make this better than the original run of Sleepwalker. Oh yeah, I would say so. I feel like if there was a if there was a shoehorning of Sleepwalker into other Infinity War books, 
here his place seems logical and makes sense and is fun. Yeah, this this is, reminds me a lot of the uh, the second generation of writers that we got for Superman and Batman. The the kids that grew up reading Superman and Batman, right? Who started writing like the stories that they were coming up with while they were young and reading it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's sleepwalkers experiencing that now, the fans that re- read him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, one of the more fun books that we're going to talk about in this, mm-hmm. this, this length of the show. It, there's a lot of goofy things that happen in this book. Uh, Ken, you probably listened to the near mint episode where we talked about this already. If not, you're going to be spoiled because one of the warps characters, the most amazing character <laughs> that has ever been uh, created uh, is um, uh, little, yeah, little, 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 monster. little monster. How do I? Do you know what little monster is? No, you don't. Shall we tell him? Might as well. So, um, you know, Infinity Warps are heroes and villains and what have you mixed together, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, at one point, they need to help uh, help from Banner, Hank Banner, who no, isn't it ba- Scott Banner? It's Scott Banner. You're right. I'm sorry, Scott Banner, uh, who is the mixture of. Can I? Yes, please. Scott Lang and Bruce Banner? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And you may look at that and think, oh, I guess that's cool. Whatever. Um, Little guy, big guy? (laughs) It's um, the matter he gets... The smaller he gets. No way. And the first time you read that in Sleepwalker One, it was kind of terrible. It was hilariously Mm -hmm. terrible, but it was great. And it was just the the way they, the the art style, the, the, the lettering, the, the, the uh, logo that popped up like it was a like 60s it, book amazing this one it actually comes to play in a gruesome sort of way where <laughs> his ability to get angrier and smaller actually causes him to be able to attack a villain from the inside and then when he calms down as a weapon <laughs> it explodes out everything is wonderful Wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. It was really it was I, a lot of fun. I like that they didn't just treat it as a joke. They actually explored the possibilities of what this how this works out story-wise. While treating it as a joke. It yes. was both things. It was very good. I really enjoy it. I highly recommend Sleepwalker. It's fun so far. I, I, oh, yeah. Are there going to be more issues of this? Is this one of those things I that ends I, at two? I or? think this one's uh, four, okay, actually. Good. That makes more sense. Sleepwalker seems to be the, uh, the, the one long-term ish uh limited series everything else is pretty much two i think yeah so pushing through iron hammer mm, eh. i could I, there was nothing of great interest in there art was pretty nice the the mixture of characters nothing was overwhelming i don't think anything new came out except for the uh war machines three yeah of the warriors yeah it was fine it was. I, I, I would not. I would not have missed it. No. Uh, Soldier Supreme number two. I actually love Soldier Supreme. I love the first issue coming out. I thought it was hilarious and actually really interesting. Soldier Supreme is a character that I would read independently. If this just existed on their own, I know there's another one you maybe, you maybe are more interested in. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I like the. I like the way they mixed uh, Steve Rogers and Stephen Strange. See, I think it's a little forced. I'm not. I'm not as in love with uh, Stephen Strange or Steve Strange. Yeah. Uh, I don't I, whatever they did it. Yeah. 
I I, I like but, it. I do. I see. The, here's my thing, though. I, like, I can understand why you would like it. I like the um, the uh, the Hellboy comics, right? I like yeah. soldiers and magic. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of ignoring the fact that they are Captain America and Stephen Strange. I'm like, is this magical superhero uh, that is a war, like a soldier, is he of interest to me? And hell yes, he is. And the little things that come in here and there, like fighting the Satanists, who are the most lazy of Satanists. <laughs> And another version, I believe, of Modoc. I don't I even know so, which one this one I is. I was so upset that it, that it wasn't Baron Modoc. Who was that? It's it's Baron Mordo. Okay. And Modoc. All right. Yeah. And this one, instead of Baron Modoc, it was Mordoc. Oh, the that was a good name. Oh, I, well, I don't the, know the acronym. You're a better man than me if you know it. Oh. And there's an acronym so, for everything. Everything. Most something organism. Uh, re. All right. Oh, I can't. While you're trying to figure that one out, I'm not going to. But I did, in, like, I like the the art style. I like the way that it hits the beats of both characters' stories. Uh, and then my favorite part, actually, I think, is that this seems like it's actually being tied back into the mainline Infinity War story. Oh yes, where there's there's actually going to be some consequence in these books, which I did not actually bank on originally. I just mm-hmm. thought, well, whatever, it's fun. I actually uh, I went on and read uh, Infinity Wars uh, five, the the one that is advertised at the end of this book, and that impressed me because. Uh, Rogers brings up, or Sorcerer Soldier Supreme brings up a uh, an interesting point during the fight that they're trying to defeat the villain, but if they defeat the villain, then they they he gets split into his uh, constituent Steve mm-hmm. Rogers and Stephen Strange, and he says, "Well, but I've got I've lived an entire life right. in this reality." I don't want. I don't consent to being unmade. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's a very interesting point. Mm-hmm. Except I, think I would him. I would almost argue the least because he spent so many years in the dark dimension. But yeah. I guess you know maybe he had a good childhood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was upset that they didn't. Uh, they didn't include Bucky Wong more in this one. They mentioned him in this one. I found that far more uh, a very interesting part of the character. Uh, that I wish they had included more. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, 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 I highly recommend it. This is a this is a near miss for me so far. It's a it's a it's a very good book. I want uh, to find out more about the cultist Tim. <laughs> that that <laughs> relationship oddly, with the two. <laughs> oddly mentioned by name. Yes, uh, it was very who's afraid of Virginia Woolf that <laughs> that, that scene. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, oh, is it? Thank you. Ken found it for us. So, Mord- Mordok? Yeah. Mental organism ritually designed for the occult. Yeah, that's it. All right. Whatever. But good. Uh, the last book on this, I was kind of lost on. I'm not a big, I don't know, Arachnite. Arachnite 1 landed. What did yeah. you think? I actually enjoyed it. I, I as a This is Spider-Man Moon Knight, yes. for those of you who couldn't figure that out as an infinity warp where we really dig all the crazy combinations and Mm -hmm. you know seeing two characters smashed together with crazy names i i it was a disappointment yeah definitely did not deliver on those terms i don't know i i only have a passing understanding of moon knight and i don't know who the 
Harry Green Goblin or whatever. Yeah, I don't know who Green Goblin is supposed to be mixed with. I guess it's uh, yeah. some werewolf character maybe in Moon Knight. I don't know why it's yeah. completely so I'm, blanking I'm not me. sure. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was, it wasn't iconic enough for me to immediately identify. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really did like the story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, when you take the two, the way they took the two origins and mixed them together... They did it less for the fanboy. Oh, look at this! This is a cool combination. As what I normally like, yeah. In other words, and instead did it as a let's tell a really good story with these elements. And I think they did a great job of that. I would like to keep reading this book. I, I want to know more about these characters. What's interesting is you have a similar. F- Feed, like you have a similar opinion as mine yeah, and to, Su- Soldier Supreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I, I totally. I I would agree that this, if weren't for the fact that Marvel was putting this out, I'd almost feel like. And if you like, maybe filed off the serial numbers a little harder, I'd be like, I don't even recognize that this is yeah. two characters mixed together. Honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see the them filed off. I would like to see this as one of the. I mean, Marvel's had multiple variations on characters you know the spider-man renew your vows going on where where peter's married and has a kid you know these parallel universe stories i would spider gwen right right right, you know i would like to see an ongoing series like that with this one because i i love the relationship between peter and harry yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy uh, what the green monster that attacked him in the park it could be. Fabulous. Yeah. I, I, I loved that twist. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they've improved a little bit on some of the mythos uh, or, or made a, an interesting twist mm-hmm. to the mythos. I do enjoy it. To me, actually, you know what it, it feels like? Spider-Man 2099. I was a big fan of Spider-Man 2099. I was like, yeah. oh, I could recognize the Spider-Man tropes in this, but mm-hmm. I like the new twist on everything. This is similar to me. For that reason, yeah. Uh, I, but I guess my brain kept trying to unravel the Moon Knight knots. Uh, so I was like, "What is Moon Knight in all of this? <laughs> and what is Moon Knight?" Is basically the tagline of the Moon Knight books. Yeah, because it's always who the hell knows. Um, <laughs> I, I I thought it was fair, but you know, I, I love the, I love the way they combined uh, Moon Knight's split personalities with the different hats that Peter wears. That's interesting. Throughout the yeah, throughout uh, the. Uh, his stories, you know, you where the his aspect as a scientist, his aspect as a businessman, his aspect as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man are all actual different separate personalities. Right. It's it, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so what do you give this? Is this a, is this your near mint? I'm going to give this a near mint. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we both found our, our preferred warp book in, in, the, in what's coming out so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a lot more to come uh, in the next couple of weeks. We have, a, we have to yeah. wrap up some of these stories from Infinity Warps. We're going to follow up on uh, Heroes in Crisis. And maybe, maybe we're going to start Snagglepuss? Do we want to do like a full Snagglepuss deep dive? Or do we want to wait? I think we should do a, a deep dive. Because that story is wrapped up, that. I think I think it's time we can uh, actually look back and give our opinion on that as a whole. Right, I'm down for that. All right, can you you didn't have as much to read this week, uh, and there is a book up right right in front of you that I'm desperate to to borrow from you. Yes, so tell me a little bit about that book. Uh, interesting, Batman the Max. 
Would you? Uh, Arkham you don't, Dreams. You don't have oh, to. Okay, you, you pulled this out of the uh, the bargain bin from back in the nineties. Uh, no, this actually just came out. Uh, the first issue came out last month, and new one just recently came out. Jigawa? Yeah. Re- so wait, it's not complete it, yet? No, no, we're only two issues in. Oh man, do you want to give us a little teaser then? I, th- I thought it was done. I thought maybe no, we could add no, that to the no, pile. no, no. All no. right, um, it's um, it's it's interesting. I I'll I'll have a fair review when we actually get into it, but um, I can only recommend off the bat. Make sure you read the Max first before getting into this book. Yeah, you got to be a Max fan before you yeah. want to pick up that book. Otherwise, if you're just a Batman fan, you'd be like, who is this purple? What do you? How would you describe that bottle this, opener? Yeah, that's a Wolverhulk. Wolverhulk. Wolverhulk is a great, great nickname. I hope someone calls him at some point. But unfortunately, both Marvel properties. Overbite Wolverhulk. Uh, he does look like a sentient <laughs> bottle opener, right there. He does. Yeah, uh, he does. I love the Max growing up uh, from the from the uh, I'll admit, originally from the uh, Liquid Television. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the MTV, MTV show, uh, yeah. miniseries, yeah. But uh, I did enjoy the the comics when I could borrow them. At that yeah. point, there was <laughs> no way I was able to get all of them. I had to keep borrowing it. It was like Cerebus. I had to borrow them all from friends. I bought the first couple Max issues and was confused enough to never even bother reading, watching the uh, the cartoon. Oh my god, you went comic first? Wow, that's, that's oh, yeah. like Actually, the rest of the world, man. One of my no. first memories was uh, getting the issue and Peter and I going to a comic convention uh, in North Jersey in Wayne back in the early days yeah and actually having getting it signed by Sam Keith oh nice yeah nice I there remember declining to have yeah. mine signed yeah. by yeah. Sam Keith he didn't want nothing to do with it <laughs> like, I hate this art wow right. I, and I love I'm not it. a fan of Sam Keith and I'm art. a huge fan of his artwork oh uh, yeah I love it I love the Max alright cool I want to read along so yeah we've got a lot of things we hope we gave you enough to read this week and if we did and we've, we've done you a good service uh, give us a review and a ranking on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher Uh, software and yeah subscribe for more we're gonna go back into these books all in the following weeks as we uh continue to read the funny pages um speaking of which i'm gonna go a deep dive into nancy especially new nancy it's amazing new nancy it's really good i mean old nancy is great too but new nancy is so much fun i I can't wait i I think they've over sexualized her i'm gonna be honest (laughs) nancy <laughs> Where did you? I know you're just saying random things, but that is a topic regarding Nancy, not even new Nancy, the previous Nancy. <laughs> that people were very, very upset. The sexualization of Aunt, Aunt Fritz. Fritz? 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 Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Gilchrist with his well, weird, awesome. like, 70s <laughs> country music. Yes. That's a thing. Someone just tuned into the end of this podcast and went like, go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, all right. All right. We'll talk about that in some upcoming episode. Like and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. Thanks, folks, and I'll see you later. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.